Welcome back to Next Scene Podcast, the podcast taking on the ghosts of Christmas past, one scene at a time. I'm your host, Sean, and unfortunately, uh, my co-host, Brian, is a little bit under the weather. It's it's not the 2020 virus, but it was serious enough to keep him away from the episode. So we're fortunate enough to have filling in our guest co-host, Dave Palace. Yo, boys! back <laughs> <laughs> of course the the famous dave palace from five minutes of mystery uh groundhog minute and, and many others so thank you very much for for filling in on short notice uh, happy to help all right and also with us we have a very special guest for this segment from well from all over from the groundhog day <laughs> project from dave made a minute a cock in a bowl minute and coming soon five minute arrival it's yeah. robert black Hello, hello. All right, welcome, Robert. The only man to get 12 rounds with Luke Allen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is true. He's a brave man. Um, so we've asked you, uh, you gentlemen and you listeners, we're asked you here to talk about uh, the fourth section of this Muppet Christmas Carol, where we venture into the land of Christmas past. If you're watching along at home, this is a little bit of a longer section. It's about 15 minutes. We're running from 30... 34 to about 45, 38. Um, we start with Dickens and Rizzo scaling the walls of Shea Scrooge uh, to witness the tolling of a bell. And we end with a sullen Mr. Scrooge alone in his bedchamber. So let's get into it. We start with, I don't know if we have, you know, if there's much to say on Dickens as played by Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat uh, climbing up. They're doing Batman style. Uh, Gonzo's got like a, a grappling hook and rope to climb up to peer into the window to see uh, what's going to happen when this bell tolls one. Um, I kind of want to get right to the appearance of the ghost of Christmas past. I was, I was thinking, is this the only time we've ever in any Christmas Carol we've ever seen like a manifestation of Charles Dickens? Yeah. Like him so. playing Charles mm-hmm. Dickens. I, like, I, I can't think of any of the famous ones that you think of. I, I, I It's usually just a voiceover, whether it be an older man, whether it be a younger, faint woman. It's always like Ebenezer or Ebenezer. Like it's just like, it's just some voice that's representing a narrator. I feel like this is a funny way to have a Charles Dickens character narrate to the audience, obviously, because, you know, who doesn't want to look at Gonzo? But I just, I, 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 I thought about that. I said, you know, it's always just been like, either a book opening and there's a narration or just a sweeping shot of the town. I never think of like someone actually standing on the street corner talking to the audience about the story. So. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I, th- I think you're right that this is sort of a, a unique approach that the, um, to have Dickens as a character within the story, really sort of a, a unique thing, a unique take, which really works well. And we get, I, I mentioned a little bit the, the last time we get a mix of, it's Dickens. So he wrote the story. He's this omniscient narrator. He knows what's going to happen, but he's also like a viewer. Like he, you know, a a few minutes ago, we saw him saying, Oh, Scrooge is doing this and Scrooge is doing that. And Rizzo's like, how do you know that? (laughs) But then to start off this minute, he's like, well, we, you know, we want to see this. We want to be in on this, you know, firsthand. Yeah. So he's, he's like a, a viewer. And then he, um, they sort of stow away, they tag along when Scrooge and the ghost travel into Christmas past. They, they, they hitch a, a ride. 
and they go along with them. So he's, yeah, he's kind of along with us for this ride. Yeah. And that is kind of a unique thing to, uh, to this adaption. Note, uh, John Houseman plays Charles Dickens as the narrator in the IBC production of Scrooge in the 1988 film Scrooged. And I really love this ghost. This is kind of different if, um, you know, the, the ghost of Christmas past is always kind of a, a, a bit of a pixie. If you remember in Scrooged, mm-hmm. she's played by, um, by, by Carol Kane, yeah. who is, um, I guess a feisty spirit, <laughs> but kind of, you know, diminutive and small, but, but, but packs a lot of punch. Um, we might say correction in the 1988 film Scrooge, Carol Kane plays the ghost of Christmas present. The ghost of Christmas past was played by Buster Poindexter. And the, the, I mean, I just, I want to uh, quickly dive into the, the original novella or novelette, um, the description of the ghost of Christmas past that, that Dickens wrote, he said, it was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair, which, which hung around its neck and down its back, was white as if with age, yet the face had not a wrinkle in it. So it's kind of, it, it's a mix. It's old and young. It's big. It's, it's, it's small. There's one point where Dickens describes Scrooge as having trouble determining how many limbs this yeah. thing has. It's got two arms and 20 at the same time sort of thing. The, the effect that we see in the film is they took a puppet and it's actually floating in water mm-hmm. um, is how they got this effect of this sort of ethereal a spirit sort of floating in the air. So it was, it was filmed on a green screen floating the, the puppets in water. And then they superimpose that into um, the live action shots. Really. Correction. This would have been filmed in front of a blue screen, not a green screen. And she's unique. She's unique to this yep. movie. Like that's not a Muppet of common knowledge. Right. Yeah. So this is, they, they did, I think all three, of the ghost um, past, present and Christmas yet to come are new Muppets for, for the film. Yeah. They, they were going to use other Muppets and then decided to go with the descriptions instead. Yeah. Good thing. Now, do you, so if you know that, do you know who was originally going to be the ghost of Christmas past? I actually did not write that down. And I don't okay. remember. Yeah, I, I, and I didn't dig, I, I should probably dig further because my original research indicated that they're originally thinking of Miss Piggy for the Ghost of Christmas Past. Um, and obviously, I think this is a much better choice. But the question I have is then who would have been Emily Cratchit? Who would have been Kermie's wife yeah. if Miss Piggy is playing one of the ghosts? I don't know if yeah. they would have had her do double duty or what, but. I don't remember. I don't, I'm not great with the Muppet names. The, what, the flower child woman who's very... Um, Prairie Dawn. Prairie Dawn. She could kind of play this. Prairie. Yeah. Or or think, um, yeah. if you're thinking about the, the singer in the band, that's Janice. Maybe her ah, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I might be getting them mixed up. But I do head. think, yeah, Prairie Dawn would have been a good ghost of Christmas past. Originally, I, the three ghosts were Miss Piggy, Scooter, and Gonzo. Yeah, which I kind of would have wanted to see Gonzo as the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And he still would have been this dark figure in a shroud. But with his beak sticking out, yeah. The nose sticking out. 
but then we wouldn't have had the great portrayal of I, Charles Dickens that Gonzo gives us. No, I think it's best for them to have the ghost be unique because then they're new, so you don't have any expectations of like mm-hmm. they're not they don't have any catchphrases, they don't have any uh pre you know pre known jokes, mm-hmm. and because I mean we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about this clip here. It's pretty sad and you know serious if you will, like outside of the hijinks that that Rizzo and Gonzo were gonna be yeah. in. Right. It's pretty sad and serious. Like, and obviously Michael Caine is straight selling this. Yeah, and I think of like him watching himself be like, "Wow, I did nothing in the way of like friendship and romance in my youth." Right, and I think that's part of it is that not only we've talked about how Michael Caine sort of played it straight up, like Royal Shakespeare Company and and all that, but that the you know except for Marley and Marley, the other ghosts, like this is. The, the fun is all around it, but in the center, it's a serious retelling. Yeah. The ghosts are serious. And I mean, the ghost of Christmas present is is jovial, but that's how that character is written. That's not yeah. Muppet joking. That's that's there in the original. But Christmas past and Christmas yet to come, those spirits are very serious in the original. And they're, yeah, they're very serious here as well. And, and I mean, for me, that really, that's why this is so special, that it can be fun and and flighty and it's it's muppets and jokey and all that and it's serious at the same time yeah and this is oh sorry go ahead no i was like because i i if this is not the this is not the christmas cow i seen as the most because my parents were all curmudgeon so i watched the george c scott one every year so i hadn't seen this one until like i was probably almost a teenager okay so so like so like yeah and 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 i will say what i like about what michael kane is going to be playing this is he he play he plays i already like to see the cracks in ebenezer being slightly sad at seeing stuff mm-hmm. whereas i felt george c scott's version of of ebenezer barely cracks during the past like he's still holding stubborn that like oh, oh i didn't make any mistakes like he like whereas i feel like like michael kane's performance when we get to the school i already start to see him like tried he's already failing to try to make excuses for his studying and why he like didn't you know try to partake in any festivals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's i mean that's sure that yeah. is like my history with christmas carol is like i remember george c scott doing it so like, i judged a lot of of other christmas carol viewings off of what he did all but right I, but like seeing this i go well it's michael kane and like <laughs> it's funny like you would think michael K- they would have wanted michael kane to do this show and play it's so funny that he did this great performance, but he did it for the Muppets. Like, right. <laughs> like, like you could you could think of like a hundred other actors who would have easily just been like, "Oh, cool, the Muppets, I'll do it." But it's like, you know, then again, this is what this is like. What late eighties, Michael Caine? It's a ninety-two. Ninety-two, Michael Caine. Yeah. So you know, he had he 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 was a known actor. He had done some things. This is after Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and after Blame It on Rio. After was it Jaws four? Jaws four. Yeah. By the time The Muppet Christmas Carol was made, Michael Caine had won an Academy Award for the 1986 film Hannah and Her Sisters. You know, but it's he's not Alfred Pennyworth yet. You know, it's, yeah, it's not- which is so funny because like he looks, you know, outside of the hair is different. Like he he's just <laughs> looked like a, an old English man for as long as we've known him. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, he's, he's he's been old since the 90s. Um, so you were a little bit older the first time you saw this, did it, Dave? Did it? You know, did did you enjoy the Muppets? Like, did did the jokey parts, the you know, the bits with Gonzo and Rizzo, were they 
were they too ch- you know too much for kids for you or did you still enjoy it i mean i think the first few times i, I think i've watched just maybe three maybe four times not a lot not a lot of times okay but i remember early watching it and be like oh this is like oh this is nice and cute but i think i was ingrained to take christmas carol seriously Mm-hmm. And I, I so like I never really ran into any. And then I remember we watched. Remember, remember the Patrick Stewart one? That was all right, but yes. that was pretty serious. And then uh, what was it like the twenty? And I, I didn't watch too much of it, but the twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen um, Guy Pierce one where it was like horror. <laughs> a too, so it, was, it was a little too much. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that yet. A little too much. You're like, all right, like I think it was A and E or Bio. I forget. I think it was Channel A and E or FX did it, and you're like, all right, they're going like. Yeah, they did like a gritty, like the gritty gritty horror. And you're like, all right, well, no thanks. So far, my personal favorite adaptation of this story is a play, and I did it in high school, and that's when I fell in love with it. It's called A Dickens Christmas Carol: A Traveling Travesty in Two Tumultuous Acts. And whenever this is over, whenever you're allowed to go see theater again, if you ever find yourself and you see this is like playing at some community theater, I highly recommend it because what's so fun about this is it's a small cast. And the joke is you as the audience are watching a production of the show. So you're watching these actors who all have their pride and all have like their little quirks. They're putting the show on. So it's like each character could be like playing several different types there's drama between the one woman because in the beginning they say, like, Oh, she's not going to be here tonight. And her understudy will be here. Well, then we see her come and she bursts through the doors in the back of the theater, <laughs> makes a big production, goes up on stage. And now there's two Martha Cratchits. <laughs> so there's a little like a, a noises off play within a play thing. Happening. Yes. Play within a play. Like, I, yeah, the character I played, like he's so good. He will play all the roles and stuff. So he plays, he plays Marley. He plays the ghost of Christmas present and Bob Cratchit and the, the guy, the, the guys who know the donations in the beginning, like, uh. and, and, and it's, it's, it's super funny. Um, our stage crew did a great job. They like, they, they covered me in like, I don't know, at least 20 pounds of chains <laughs> and the chains perfectly got caught in the floorboards. And the joke in the play is the actor playing, marley needs help because he's stuck with the chains and so he would yell at scrooge to help him with the chains but i legitimately would get caught in the chains so like it perfectly would work like i would be like oh and you can see the chains just stuck in the floorboards and we have the pop and people are just are the audience is dying laughing from this because you know they, they see me at legitly struggling and it was heavy it was heavy gauge chain like truck chain so <laughs> yeah this is the best adaptation and if you ever get a chance to to, to view it on, on live theater please go see it okay so well thanks thanks name. for that recommendation so while we're on the topic since we got into it so robert what's what's your history with this film i, I well with this film it's uh like three days <laughs> so you did really? not grow up with the Muppet Christmas Carol? No, I didn't. I didn't grow up with Christmas generally, and mm-hmm. I did see Scrooged in the theater just because it was Bill Murray in a comedy, and I think it was a double feature with something else. And I saw the play Christmas Carol once, but that was like fifteen years ago. It was more recent, and no, I hadn't seen this version until just this week. Okay. Although then, since I watching it, I went and read the book because I'd never read the book either. So oh, okay, cool. yeah. So having Having seen it for the first time just recently, what what was your impression? What do you think? I I actually really love this one. I mean, I love the irreverence of Scrooge, but 
I love especially what you you started with is Gonzo as Dickens is because mm-hmm. it's this version with Kane and with Dickens is taking the book very seriously and using mm-hmm. lines straight out of the book, mm-hmm. but then is even more ridiculous than just Muppets when you get Gonzo and Rizzo doing crazy stuff <laughs> while things are happening. And so it's this great mix of irreverence and reverence at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's I really like, yeah. And it's, it's a really tough balancing act to have mm-hmm. the juxtaposition, the serious and the silly. Yeah. And it, you know, maybe it's just Muppets can do things that, that people, you know, ordinary humans can't do, but they, I think they pull it off here. I think they do a good job. Oh, yeah. oh and I do want to mention, um, as we, we should point out a little uh, connection to our movie podcast family. So the voice of the ghost of Christmas past is uh, Jessica Fox. She's a, a, a child actress at the time. I think she's about nine or 10 when she's doing this. And Brian Henson in the, the disc commentary, just, raves says she came in one take like gave the, her voice <laughs> that she just she just read it and that was exactly what they wanted and they loved what she was doing uh but the connection is so jessica is i think still currently appearing but for a, a long time actress in the uh british soap holly oaks and of course uh our friend niall mcgowan um has appeared on holly oaks with um, with Jessica Fox. So there's a little bit of a connection yeah. there between our friends and uh, the ghost of Christmas past. But it, it she's so she's a child and it's a childlike puppet and she has a childlike voice. But and maybe it's just and I, I should probably go back and just listen to it without the video running. But the pairing of the voice with um, with the puppet captures that spirit of you know, not old and young sort of at the same time, serious and sorrowful and, and happy mm-hmm. kind of all wrapped up together, that dichotomy, the contradictions that um, that that Dickens wrote into that character. I think she, she captures with that voice or the combination of the voice and the puppet. Yeah, she really does. Yeah. So we travel into the past. We, we, we end up with um, an old schoolhouse where... Um, a young Scrooge, a young Ebenezer is, um, you know, is studying and we see he's not going off as, as the other boys are leaving for Christmas holidays. He's staying by to work. And then we see the years go by as the, the boy gets older and older and older till it's time to head off to business. I like that shot. Yeah. Because would... the, the younger versions of him don't quite disappear mm-hmm. as that shot continues. It's nice. I love it that it's like he's doing the same pattern, you know, comes in, uh-huh. goes to the desk. Just that like repetition of going to the desk really sells it, where it's just like, that's his life. This is all he did. I felt yeah. that a lot more powerful than even, yeah, the other productions I've seen of it, where they're like, they'll keep cutting and a different scene. It's like, no, 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 just keep showing him doing it. The monotony of him just like, yeah, this is what I do. I study and read my books. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a, a Groundhog Day aspect mm-hmm. to it of him doing the same thing now we see over time he gets a little bit older and the sort of the, the chalkboard turns into an abacus and the the paraphernalia of education changes a little bit over time but he's walking back and forth between the cabinet and going back to the same desk and doing the same thing over and over again as time goes by and yeah, it's a little sad I, yeah no it's sad <laughs> and i love michael i just love michael kane's just 
eyes and how he holds his mouth watching it when he when he said that where it's like what he, was it was the line he say like they're not much different or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah Ugh. um yeah they were yeah, really much the he same he already knows the game she's playing yep this yeah. is uh, it's not going to be much different but here. The, even that is after he's already made the excuse about like it was a chance to get some extra work done like he's he's trying to excuse it at the same time he's sad about it it's like he excuses like the first time, and then it's like, uh-huh. and this time, and this time, and this yeah. time. Yeah. You know, keep doing. Want to keep playing this? <laughs> there's there's a lot of good little things. I don't want to kind of get into each of them, but the play of so Gonzo and Rizzo, they're they're sort of spirits along with Scrooge and the ghost, where they don't really interact. Uh, you know, with the people or anything here, but then there's like a little bit where they're sitting on a bookshelf and they they're they're on one end and they cause the bookshelf to tumble over and all the the busts on the shelf fall over. The um, busts are great too. Yeah, because they're all copies of real ones. Right, they're real people, but they're kind but of more Muppet like. No, I mean not just real people. They're specific busts that exist, and they just oh, are they okay? Made them themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's it's. it's... So you have these, yeah, these, uh, I don't know, you want to say ancient, but these uh, famous writers of the past. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of funny, whereas, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, we all we know of Ebenezer in this, in this school is just business. So I'm very curious if, like, the busts are there, but, like, the school's very practical, where mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, writing, but that, that won't get you money. Like, you'll die a pauper if you write. You know, that's what happens when you get Sam the Eagle as a headmaster. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or like Sam the Eagle is like headmaster. He's like, he's like, yeah, I put them up there for like when people visit, but like, let's be realistic. Like, we're yeah. here for business. That's the uh, uh, American way. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the busts are just quickly there. So it's um, Aristotle, Dante, Moliere, and Shakespeare are the four busts on the shelf next to uh, Rizzo and Gonzo. But of course, yeah. The, the headmaster and Scrooge are all about business. They probably don't spend much time on that humanity stuff. Which is a which is why like which is why <laughs> which is why we're here. You have no humanity. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> we're here for business. And it's even and this is one of the this you know this is a pretty faithful version to the original, but they, there's a few things they changed up and one of the things they changed up is in the original at the end of this scene it's uh, Scrooge's sister who yeah, comes to pick him up? Yeah, fan. Who comes to pick him up to take him home? I guess their their father had been like a mean tyrant who sent Scrooge off to school, but now he's softened and he's friendly and he wants Scrooge to come home. Um, so yeah, the original Scrooge is 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 sent off and he's leaving school to go home. But of course, here he's he's had you know he's apprenticed to a fine company and he's heading right off to business. So there's no um, you know we see him with no friends here. And no family to yeah. speak of. We don't see anyone visit him. Um, you know anything happening here other than the the headmaster sending him off to to more work, work and more work. Wait, it's... I mean, some adaptations they play the nephew up more. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm thinking it's because, and I feel like certain those stories they make sure they play the the sister up in the past more. Where it's like she's in Ebenezer's corner trying to get him home. And mm. and she's trying to you know bring life into him where she and so when she dies and then he doesn't like and then he like kind of holds that resentment of her death against her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it, it, you know in those stories is why it makes the nephew more important. He's not just like 
oh, the nice person who's trying to. It's like it's like he's like the only person that in who like still loves Ebenezer and gives a shit. Like if like this person were to die, then Ebenezer's like nobody. Like nobody would know him. Yeah, and, there's there's a great moment in the book where Ebenezer barely remembers how many kids she had too. He has to be reminded, oh, it's the nephew that always comes by. Yeah. So, like, he hasn't even kept in touch with this girl who, yeah, tried to get him out of school and do something nice for him. Mm -hmm. But you kind of alluded to there's 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 two sides to that relationship on the one hand. So this is kind of, as far as we know, this nephew is his only living relative and the only connection to the sister that he's lost. But at the same time, kind of reminds him, you know, reminds him that the sister is no longer there. Um, so that's got to be like a bittersweet relationship that it reminds him of another things that he's another thing that he's lost. And you could see, well, maybe he doesn't want to be. Um, yeah. Cause he's, he's fond of his sister in the book. So he, he wouldn't want to be reminded that she's no longer around, that that would be painful and maybe avoid the nephew to avoid being reminded of I'm what sure. he's lost. Yeah. I'm actually trying to remember like scenes. I don't know if it's the, uh, the George C. Scott one or the, or the Patrick Stewart one, but like seeing or the Alfred Finney where it's like they cut to the nephew in the future and what the nephew says mm-hmm. either the nephew is like apathetic and doesn't care that like people have broken in and robbed his his uncle's house mm-hmm. where it's like he doesn't care about the money that his uncle had he's like whatever like he never cared for us like we're just going to go on living our lives I feel like one of the adaptations plays those scenes where mm-hmm. he watches his nephew be like I do not care like I don't care about my uncle's estate I don't care. Like he never cared for us. Like I don't give, I don't give a hoot about the inheritances or if there is any. Yeah, so, well, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't remember if this Muppets version, who, if they did, they talk about his nephew in the in the, in the beginning of this film. Did he his nephew visit him? He's there. Yeah, yeah. The nephew does stop by the office to uh, you know wish him a merry Christmas and invite Scrooge over for invite Scrooge over for Christmas dinner the following day, and of course. Um, to Scrooge, it's a humbug. He okay. has no interest in such things. Um, I have one more little tidbit, actually, on, on this school scene um, that Brian Henson talks about in the in the disc commentary is the original plan for this schoolhouse scene was to have the camera sort of circling around the room and circling the young um, the young Scrooges, the boys, as they they gradually age and kind of repeat the same pattern through the years. And it was a technical malfunction. They couldn't get the camera to move the right way. And the only takes that were good were the stationary ones. But I think I think it's one of those happy accidents. I think it works yeah. much better than what he described, and particularly to emphasize that it's the same thing over and over again, that time loop quality of it, that it's we get it's it's a static shot. We see the room stays the same and it's the boys that are gradually getting older. Yeah. Yeah, if it were moving, it'd be too there's too much going on visually. Yeah, I agree. That'd be a pain for them. Like the, the Muppets they had to make sure that like, you know, all the angles are being covered well, you know, if they're spinning the camera. Mm-hmm. But um, did you hear the line he says when the driver comes, don't tip the driver? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that last little parting advice from the headmaster, don't tip the driver. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, I don't know, penny saved is a penny earned, I guess. It's it's it, as a kid, it was hard to tell that Scrooge was rich because obviously he is so frugal. Is it mm-hmm. is it frugal or right? Yeah, yeah. Stingy, yeah. frugal, stingy, miserly. That yeah. he 
like his house looks he looks poor and his house is poor though it's big because it's like he doesn't spend any money and so you're like what is like where what is his money because you're like if he doesn't yeah he doesn't spend anything it's hard to tell that he is a rich man so i think it was hard for me as a child to go like he's rich his house looks like crap <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's big, but it's you know it's empty. It's not well furnished or or, or kept up. Um, well, it's a good yeah. it's a good point. Like, why would he? And why would he? Even, it's like, why would he want a big house? I guess the only reason he would want a big house is he would want like security to make sure no riffraff are going to bother him. He would want a gated house. We know that, but obviously he's not going to pay a, a maid or a butler to keep it mm-hmm. cleaned or heated. So, yeah, certainly. in yeah, in this time period, something of that size would have there, there'd be a staff to attend, yep. um, you know, the usual family that would have a large house like that. Um, so that that send off so that the headmaster sends off Scrooge with with some advice and sends him off um, still in the past, but a little further in the future. And we skip a song. Yeah. Sam's so this song. Yeah, actually, it comes a little bit. So, so this section that we're doing, we, um, our, our guests today, do not get a song. There's no song in this section. But I will say, there's some. Well, extra- we get two because I looked them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and if you'd like to talk about the songs, you certainly can. Well, the the yeah. Sam song isn't that interesting. I think Bell's mm-hmm. song is definitely worth talking about. Sam's is just the best line of it is, "Don't think about vacations. You can o- overcome that quirk." Like. He's basically telling him how to just obsess about work forever, and that's all he has to do. Mm-hmm. So, the song's not that great, but the Bell's one is cool. Yeah. Now, do you? I haven't. I I haven't dug too deeply, but I wasn't able to find the um, that Sam song. Not a video of it. the The audio is on YouTube, but I haven't seen the like if they actually filmed the scene. Yeah, I know that they did film the scene. Um, so at the end of this section, there's a there's a song that Scrooge has with with Bell, with his young mm-hmm. love. That's in the now we're covering the theatrical release where the song was yeah, cut. So it was put there. it was put back in for the the television version, but it's not on the Disney Plus version. That's where I watched the movie. Yeah, so it's not in the Disney Plus version. If you have it, um, folks that grew up watching this film on VHS, if you had the tape. So it was the song was put back in for the television version. It's mm. on the VHS version. Then when they put it on DVD, they took it back out again. <laughs> now I, if you get a, a Blu-ray or or some of the newer DVDs that have both the widescreen and the pan and scan versions, then the widescreen version is the theatrical release without the song the pan and scan version with the square screen, that's the TV cut and it's a little bit longer and you get a bell song put back in. Nice. Um, and that's also on it and it's on YouTube and we're going to do a little special deleted song episode. So we'll, we'll get more into detail on how happened to lead the song. Like, like, what, what, like, 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 can you find a, like what, what is the con of having the song in? Yeah. The, well, the, there were a couple issues. One is, so it's a song between Scrooge and, and Belle, um, who we yeah. do see in, in this period, you know, in his love. It's the name of the song is when love is gone. When mm-hmm. she realizes mm-hmm. that you hear part of it in the, in the credits. Yeah. Well, it, actually, and it, yeah, you get like a callback to end. something that's not even in the film, but part yeah. of the issue was it's, so it's between two people. There's no Muppets involved in the scene, oh, okay. which is one yeah. of the negatives. And also it's, 
it's a bit of a downer. Like they yes. think they found in test screenings, like kids would start to get antsy because you're 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 kind of in the middle of the film, and then suddenly there's this three minute section of it's you know, and, and a lot of this is a lot of adult stuff. I mean, this is a dark story, um, yeah. almost a horror story that that Dickens has mm-hmm. written, but. It's it's you know it's it's the kissy part. It's the part if you were the kid in uh, you know, in Princess Bride, you'd be c- yeah. complaining to Grandpa. It's it's a love song, you know. I mean, it's a or kind of an anti love song or a breakup song, but it's basically, uh, you know, about the breakup of a romance between two people. And if if you're a little kid, you don't care about that one way or the other. But it was something kind of that the studio head said, you know, let's cut this out, and um, you know, the the Muppet people didn't necessarily agree, but. I guess they got vetoed. You know, I guess the, the yeah. guys that write the checks make those calls. So you're saying it was it was around here and it was it was going to be between Ebenezer and his sister where she's like she could tell he's not. No, it's him. Belle. It's oh, Belle, right Belle. before the past section ends. It's when oh, Rizzo okay. is crying. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can kind of see like yeah when Rizzo's crying. Like suddenly, like yes, it's sad they're breaking up, but then suddenly everyone's crying. Scrooge is crying, yeah. and everyone else. You're like, you know, it's a pretty big swing of emotion. Mm. And that's kind of where the, the the song would be, but we 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 get our he- ahead of ourselves, yes, <laughs> a little bit. We have to meet Belle first before we can mm-hmm. break up. So we 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 fast forward a little bit to another Christmas Eve, where now so Scrooge has been apprenticed. He's working for Fozzywig, yeah. and one of the, I mean, just best acting, best delivery of a line maybe in all of cinema or like maybe like the top five, probably not the best, but it's up there is Michael Caine's ability to deliver with a completely straight face, completely serious say, this is Fozzie Wiggs old rubber chicken factory. <laughs> <laughs> like how do you yep. deliver that lines, you know, with, with drama, with heft Fozzie Wiggs old rubber chicken factory. That's acting, my son. That's that's how you know. Uh-huh. That's a, a that's a classically trained actor who can deliver that line and make it serious. And of course, in the in the original, uh, Scrooge's boss is Fezziwig. But yeah. here we got since it's Muppets, Fezziwig becomes Fozziwig, and it's Fozzie Bear. Of course, of course. Yeah, I was always curious <laughs> what does Fezziwig do because I never. I mean, it's never it's never really talked about. It's just like because like. The thing, the place is so festive and it's full of like food and candor and fun and like decorations. Mm-hmm. So like you never can tell like what does this place look like? Is it just a mill? Is it like an inn? Not a mill, but like, or an inn, but like um, is it a hard? Is, is it is it a hardware goods? You know, like it's it's hard. Yeah, to well, it almost looks like a barn, but maybe that's just all the yeah. It's a warehouse in the, the book. The Muppets going around. I don't re- I don't remember in the book what. Did, did the original say what um, Fezziwig did, what business he was in? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's, it says it's a warehouse and he's at a desk in there, but I don't see anything saying what he does. All right. Well, maybe it was a rubber chicken factory. We do see <laughs> when we when we get inside, we see like hanging from the rafters, there's rubber chickens and then there's like big red clown shoes. So I guess it's just like gag shops and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, pepper gum and and hand buzzers and whoopee cushions and and all that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> which i didn't even know they had in in you know 1830s england but there you go you know, you know what it was? all the curmudgeons that wrote the books never talked about the funny pranks 
<laughs> all the old English curmudgeons are all like, oh, pish posh, that's business. Uh, it's business. It's business. It's business. the industrial, yeah, we're in it near the industrial revolution, I tell you. Right, right. Textiles. <laughs> yeah, none of these newfangled rubber chickens. But we get in, and then so um, Fozzie Wig is announcing it's, you know, it's Christmas Eve, it's time for the annual. Uh, Fozzy wig Christmas party and Scrooge is worried about how much are you spending on this party and how mm-hmm. much this costs. Um, and a nice little thing, little kind of, I don't know if it's a, it counts as an Easter egg, but I think this is so uh, Scrooge's old partners there, Marley and Marley. And I think this is the only time in like any of the Muppet shows and movies that we get to see Stadler and Waldorf as young men. I believe so, yeah. Of course, those two puppets playing uh, Robert and, and Jacob Marley, they're here and they're, you know, their they're, they're gray hair is replaced by darker hair. One of my, I can never, I know I can't tell them apart. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if that's racist to say. Waldorf has the mustache. Okay. I was going to say one of them has a mustache. So that's w- Waldorf that has the mustache. I learned that yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, usually we, we only see these guys as kind of the crotchety old, the old men, but here we get to see them. Young, the uh, young crotchety men. Yeah, they're still crotchety. <laughs> they're still crotchety, but now they're crotchety young men. So that was nice. We get um, we get Rolf the dog, who doesn't have any lines, but he's um, playing the piano, providing music for the party, along with the uh, uh, was it Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem. So I guess they're probably just mayhem at this point. I don't know. Do they have electricity? We do see like the lamp no, lighters. They have lamp lighters. Yeah, so. lighting lamps, so they don't have like electric street lights. So. It's just the mayhem at this point. This is the, uh, the Jefferson yeah. Airplane of the times. You know? <laughs> yep. Didn't have it. The Jefferson <laughs> Airplane. Yeah. So I'm going to take this point. Let's so ask ask our folks here, do you have a, like a favorite line, a favorite bit? And maybe, I don't know if you're going to have something, Robert, that you've, you've only seen it for the first time recently. But um, start with you, Dave. Like what's your and, – and I'll open it up for you, not just this section of the film. Do you have like – it? you know, has any part of this – Worked your you worked its way into your daily vernaculars or like a particular line you quote all the time maybe oh, no I mean I can't I can't say that but I will say going over you don't say over, you're from New Jersey like Rizzo <laughs> yeah was, I'm from was, New Jersey yeah that was good no, that was good it was fun I think it's got to be the the Sam Eagle it's the American way and then they had oh. <laughs> yeah yeah he has a whisper I was trying to catch what you say like it's just like America's not part of the story I don't I don't I don't know how to tell you this Sam America has no no point in the story you got to the British and that gave me that gave me a real good chuckle uh maybe yeah. that and probably animal just waiting to cut loose on the on the drums yeah playing his triangle he's just hitting that triangle like come on give me something you know, he, you can feel the tension. He's just waiting to bust out and yeah. waiting for that drum solo. I will say, I will say, watching this clip, those are the ones that gave me the biggest chuckle. Yeah, well, that's I. I'll get to you, Robert. But I want to stay on that the little bit with with Sam the Eagle because I know I, I don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't break the fourth wall because Gonzo isn't talking to us, but he he like breaks the wall because he doesn't say headmaster because yeah, yeah. So, so the headmaster <laughs> says it's the American way. And, but then Gonzo doesn't say like, Oh, headmaster, no British way. He says, Sam. Sam, Yeah. He, uh-huh. he addresses them by the actor's name, not the character's name. Yeah. Unless the headmaster's name is Sam, but like, Oh, he's like addressing the actor to say, 
you know, almost like it's a play, like, no, yeah. this is, you know, it's it's the British way. And then Sam corrects himself, like, it's the British way. Well, yeah, you can laugh that it's the play because when they break the statues, the the what you would doubt you you'd have to maybe you might have to react to that. Like if you were ever on stage and someone knocks over a statue, it's a big deal. Like you can't it's <laughs> yeah. like you have well, to then, say, I've been meaning to fix Well Sam it. does. He said I always wanted to he wanted to fix that shelf. So like it's it's a part of a play. He uh-huh. doesn't like recognize that like Gonzo and Rizzo have been sitting on the shelf, but yeah, they say, Oh, I've been meaning to fix that. So he, he does kind of react to it like almost like, yeah, it was a play. Um, so yeah, Robert, in your in your recent viewing, any one of my any lines stand out to you? One that got a biggest laugh is actually right here when Gonzo comes in. Uh, it's funny that he's got frozen Rizzo on a stick, but yeah. Gonzo has a thing for chickens, right? He already yes. introduced Rizzo to Louise when they were out flying. But right here, mm-hmm. as he walks in, a chicken walks by, and he just watches her go and goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> like he's checking out a chicken. <laughs> Um, for a second, I'm like, wait, this is a kid's film. <laughs> Look at that chick. He just watches her go by. Like, okay. Yeah. And Rizzo does something similar later in the scene where some other rats are around. He's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, is that it's, I mean, I don't know quite what a gonzo is, but he's not a chicken. No, but he's always had a thing for chickens. Interspecies attraction there, but yeah. He, he kind of turns. Yeah. So I, I, I had two lines. So I, my, my honorable mention for this segment was the um, it's the American way. Yeah. Oh, it's the British way. <laughs> but my, my, my number one line comes in this, the second part when the, you know, the lamplighter is going around and, uh, and it's Rizzo light the lamp, not the rat, light the lamp, <laughs> not the rat. Rizzo gets his, his tail on fire, which of course leads to Gonzo pushing him off into a bucket of water to put out the fire and then or sorry yeah gonzo pushes rizzo he goes into the bucket to put out the fire but then he gets frozen and it's um yeah gonzo carrying the the ratsicle yeah <laughs> when he sees the chicken go by and, and gets distracted see these all these all all these things tie in mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of great lines a lot of great bits and then we meet we meet Belle, and I don't know if they like what the if she's just she's I don't know a rubber chicken groupie. She's just hanging around. But then Fozzie Wigs Fozzie Wig makes introduction. Young woman Belle, young man Scrooge. We head we go forward another couple Christmases. Uh, I guess before we Christmas get away Eve. from Fozzie Wig oh. really quick, I wish mm-hmm. we got sure. dancing yeah. because in the book Fezziwig, the way this dancing is described, it sounds like break dancing at one point. <laughs> Like he describes the way his legs move as like winking and he falls over and then pops right back up. And I'm like, what does he do? I couldn't even figure out what dance it was supposed to be. But Fezziwig and his wife are just amazing dancers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it would have been great to see Fozzie do that. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the other adaptions if I ever, if we ever get a, or at least I can't remember any, any good look at, at, at Fozziewig or Fezziwig doing any dancing. Um, we get a little bit of dancing in the background when yeah. like Fozzie's making the introduction between Scrooge and Belle, almost like they're doing like a patty cake in the background, <laughs> but uh, we don't get, we don't get Fozzie. Dance. Oh, and before we, we, we fast forward. Oh, we do get a, a bit of a Swedish chef. I was actually wondering about this last night. I was, I was speaking with my wife, Catherine, and we were talking about which characters, which, which of the, the more famous Muppets appear 
in the show. And at the time, I couldn't remember if we got to see Swedish Chef or not, but we do. We get him in this bit. He's, I guess, catering. It's disturbing grapes. The party, singing grapes. So is that like, Yeah. can you eat something that's singing? Yeah, <laughs> is that I- like, is, does that become murder? Rizzo's mother says no. <laughs> but yeah. So he's Wait. serving up singing grapes for the party. Well, he can't <laughs> serve up rubber chickens. And it'd be rude if he just grabbed a chicken and started cutting yeah. and eating it. <laughs> Well, I was wondering if there was a grape, a tradition of eating grapes on Christmas that somehow I had missed. And then I ended up finding out, no, but there's a, apparently a kind of tomato called a Christmas grape. I'm like, okay. These grapes are weird. No, I did not know that. Christmas there's, the seven, there's the seven fishes. We got that going for us. Let's have some boomerang fish and some singing grapes. <laughs> well, they did have boomerang fish in yeah. the 1830s <laughs> England, we now know. Uh, England and England, they probably just all ate porridge back then. Just ate porridge. And some sort of <laughs> they all pudding. Ate pudding. Some form of pudding. That was a pudding. pudding blood pudding and scones and yeah. I don't know, kippers for breakfast. And... Yeah. Cornmeal, grain, raw <laughs> oats. Yeah. So then we we leave the, the Fozzy Wig party and we head to another Christmas Eve where it's just Scrooge and and Belle, and she's complaining how it's always, you know, he's always, they're, I guess, engaged to be married or maybe engaged to be engaged, but there's always, yeah. you know, business isn't, isn't there. There isn't enough money yet. He keeps putting it off and, you know, and she's giving him the old, you know, you should have put a ring on it. She's yeah. saying, you know, you kind of, you, you put it off too long. Um, and I'll talk a little bit. So Belle is played by Meredith Braun, who does not have a lot of movie credit. She's more, uh, you know, stage musical uh. singing type performer. Um, but she had an album come out recently. I think it was, oh, well, it would have been 2017 for the 25th anniversary. She put out a solo album of her singing. And the name of the album is When Love Is Gone, which oh. is the name of the song that was cut. And she performs... Um, you know, she performs that song. She does a couple other covers. I think she has got some original as well. I don't have the album. I haven't listened to it, but yeah. So she kind of hang on to this, like a little bit of her, her claim of fame of, of doing this song in this movie. And um, there's actually, um, I'll, I'll put up links, but if you just, you know, listeners, if you just want to search for it, there's clips on YouTube of Meredith and Michael in the studio uh, re- recording the song and Michael Caine, like, like, I mean, she, Meredith can sing. She's a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael, Michael kind of holds his own. Like, I wouldn't say he's a singer. Like, don't quit the yeah. acting thing quite yet. But, um, you know, but it's respectable. You know, he 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 does he does the, the little bits when Scrooge is singing. And uh, we'll get a little bit more uh, at the end. He sings as well. Um, you know, when he when the whole thing is over, the last little section, we get a little bit of Scrooge singing. But uh, yeah, Michael Caine, when he has to, he can he can sing. I, I know you said like, yeah, but the song cut and it looks like a jump. Everyone's crying. And it, but I will say I'm just going through this again. I think what's kind of I don't use the word great, but mm-hmm. powerful is um, she leaves Gons and Rizzo and, and Ebenezer old. Old Ebenezer are all crying, and yeah. his young Ebenezer's not reacting. It makes it more powerful that, like, he, the young Ebenezer, is the only one right now who doesn't have the knowledge of how bad this is. Mm-hmm. Everyone else sees how bad this is going to be, and 
I think it's and it kind of makes it more powerful where he's like very blank faced, like not reacting to her, just kind of get up and leaving. Like he doesn't see the repercussions of it, and everyone else just knows like that's the love of your life just going, just walking just, out the door, walking yeah. out the door. You you kept you know you're she wants his love, and he's like, well, I have to bring a foundation. It's like yeah, we get it a house but like we could still love each other you know like you yeah. can still give a shit and like but he's like oh i have to put i have to found a foundation with the house it's it's yeah it's like we'll slum it in an apartment for a bit you know there, there's, yeah. a, there's a there's a uh, there's a loft somewhere we can chill for a year right and it's not like she's not a gold digger she's not saying like you've got to you know you've got to be able to afford a mansion and servants and everything else before i'm willing to settle down like she's saying she's the one who's saying She's the opposite. Yeah, the, the money doesn't matter as much. Now, do you think that makes it worse? Like, think about, you know, this happened to you and, and a ghost or a spirit brought you back to, you know, some painful moment in your past. Like, does it make it more painful because he didn't realize it then? Like, if something, like, if if you get your heart broken at the time and then later you travel back, like, my point is, like, you've already felt the pain. Like, if you felt the pain at the time, going back wouldn't be as painful because you've already felt it where now like you said dave he didn't feel he didn't realize what was happening at the time yeah he didn't feel it then so now he's feeling that pain for the first time like does that make it worse yes because i'm thinking about it now whereas something happens and you 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 find it's over and then maybe months down the line you look back and say like oh well that was a mistake i made or I could have been better. Uh, I could have done something different. And you have the pain, but it's kind of dull because time has gotten to it. But yeah, this is razor sharp because, like I said, young Ebenezer is not reacting to it. He's not going to react to it. Probably he might not react to it raw at all. Like he might just kind of keep making excuses. Mm -hmm. So this is probably the first time Ebenezer's actually reacted to, I effed up bad. And he's not, and he's done making excuses of like my studies and my finances. Like, yeah, you got the finances, man. You're fine. Like now you realize what you did, like you you did miss, and that does hurt. So yes, if you were taken back and as a ghost watched your breakup, watched you have an argument and it's raw, I think you would commiserate and be like, yeah, like we could have done something better, but you know this sucks. I think it would be a lot worse if you just. You're watching yourself not realize how bad it is. You know, when you when you're when you're yeah. when you spitefully say to that person, like, I'll be fine without them, and then you realize later, like, I wasn't fine. Like I wasn't fine for like years after. Yeah. Well, and I think he's realizing that, you know, as the young man, he's saying, Well, you know, business will get better and then there'll be more money, and then then I can settle down and then I can have love and a family. I can do all that later. And now he's realizing you know, 30 or I don't know how many years, you know, 40 years have gone by and like later, later never comes. There's never going to be enough money. You're never going to be stable enough. You know, there's always going to be an excuse. Well, she even says that his partnership was the goal. He has that now, but he just Mm -hmm. has set a new goal. Yeah. It's never, yeah, it's never going to be something. Yeah. I was actually thinking we don't, since Fezziwig is only in the Fezziwig Christmas scene, Fezziwig doesn't really have a real, uh, but the way the way that Ebenezer respects that Fezziwig is he respects him as a joyful man. I'm very thinking of a new idea here. 
if that Fezziwig was the one keeping Ebenezer in line on an emotional state, mm-hmm. where Fezziwig has to remind Ebenezer, will you leave the office and go see Belle? Like, you know, will you, yeah. you know, will you go buy her a, a bouquet of flowers? Will you? And like he would do it. He'd go, oh, that was nice. And like, you know, because Fezziwig was pushing him. And after he leaves, he gets his own business, and Fezziwig's not around anymore to tell him what he should be doing as a, as a mentor. He falls back into his business, his business state. Yep. So what happens? Because we see, you know, we know in the beginning, early on in life, he's under the tutelage of the headmaster, who's all business, business, business. It's the British way. And then towards the end, more recent to the you know current day in the story, he's partners with the Marleys, and we know they're. You know, he takes after them. They, like they are very business, 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 and um, you know, the only use of people is what you can get out of them, or what money you know you can make from them. Those kind of you know, if those are his main influences, those are his mentors. Of course, he's going to turn out this way. But then, between the headmaster and the Marleys, you've got Fozziewig in the middle. Like, what happened? Was there a breakup there? Yeah, what happened to Fozziewig that he's no longer? in Scrooge's life and he loses that, you know, that potential mentor, that good influence, you know, what do they, do they, is there a breakup? Is there like a deleted scene somewhere that Dickens never wrote, or maybe, you know, it's in a, you know, an old uh, notebook somewhere in England, uh, you know, a scene, the, the breakup where Scrooge leaves Fozziewig to go work for the Marleys. I could, hmm, huh. I could see like a bittersweet. I won't see an argument, but a bittersweet where, like, you know, Fezzi gives him a letter of recommendation or mm-hmm. like, you know, gives him, sends him off. And, you know, he's working with the Marleys. And I could see maybe a scene where Fezzi comes and checks up on Ebenezer. Not, and it's, and it's be, he's doing that because he knows yeah. Ebenezer emotionally is distant. And if I don't keep an eye on him, like he and Belle may, may like not work out. And so like, there could be a scene I could hype, you know, think about where it's like, he could tell Ebenezer's falling back into his ways and Fezziwig gives him some words of advice. And I could see like Fezziwig, like, you know, opening, like, think about it. He's opening the door. He looks back. He's got a kind of a, almost about the, a tear in his eye. And he looks back and Ebenezer's head is just down in his books. And he goes, goodbye, Ebenezer. He goes, oh, goodbye, Fezziwig. And his head barely like lifts up off the page. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't, like his pen's still writing. And mm-hmm. I can see Fezziwig being like, I did my best. Like yeah. I can't. Yeah, he's not my son. You know, he was a good worker, but like he, he there's a lot of emotional thing, and it's, and I can just see that and that sad shot of just Fezziwig like leaving out the door, just being like, just shaking his head. Like that's the moment he realizes he's kind of he's lost Scrooge to the Marleys. Yeah. You know, and maybe like maybe it's after the breakup. Like maybe she's you know she's a family friend, or you know Fezziwig is friends with her father. And that's why she was at the the party. And then he hears about the breakup and kind of stops by to see how Scrooge is doing. You know, um, you know, if he wants to go out for a drink and, you know, cry into his beer about losing, uh, you know, losing yeah. Belle. And, and he's like, and, you know, yeah, Scrooge can't even look up from his books. He's, he's so busy writing with the figures and everything. And, yeah. Oh, well, Dickens kind of cheats around it, too, because the ghost in the book says, like, my time's running short. And so they jump forward to this breakup. So it's mm-hmm. like he it's like he didn't want to write that part. Yeah, I don't like the because I, I yeah I don't like time is running short because it's like I don't know I feel like yeah I know the hours and stuff but that's not important. It's like it's important for them to like make sure they really dick Ebenezer over and get every needle into him. Yeah, 
Um, and I don't, and I never really liked, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about like the, the, the George C. Scott one where he snuffs her candle out. <laughs> Cause she, cause yeah, she's like a candle and he's like aggravated. So he grabs the snuffer and he shoves it down on her, like, almost like a plunger. And he just like snuffs. And then he's like, he wakes up and he's like standing over his bed and he's like, huh? All right, whatever. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's like, yeah, George C. Scott's version of just him like rebelling uh against the past or he doesn't he wants to fight it uh i kind of like this one where it's just like he's just sad it's like yeah like let's just get to the point like he's sad you know i think i think it hurts more rather than him just arguing it more i think it makes the scenes more powerful that he's like smart enough to realize he's already made a mistake so i like i like sad ebenezer reacting rather than Mm -hmm. just angry ebenezer or even yeah even before they get to the breakup he he tells the ghost in the book, he's like, I want to say a few words to that clerk. He's referring to himself. Like he yes. wants to go say something to his younger self and already warn him. Yes. There's nothing and then, and then he tells her right now, he's like, don't, don't bring me to that. I know you're going to do it. Don't bring me to the scene. Don't do it. Don't do yep. it. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do it. I got to do it. It's my job. Yeah. It's one of the things I liked about Scrooged with Bill Murray, that he does get back together with Claire at the end. Yeah. And I don't, long, I don't know how long that lasts, but at least for, at least for Christmas Eve, they're back together. They, you know, they get that reunion that I don't think, um, you know, it's not in the original. It's certainly yeah. not in this. I don't know if any of the adaptations have Bell, uh, you know, come back in the present. It's hard because it's the 1800s. He can't just call her up, and we have to assume <laughs> yeah. she's as old as him, so she's lived an entire life, hopefully happy. I wouldn't be against the scene. Like if someone wanted to try a take on it where they just screw it, let's write a scene where goes to Chris's present. They show, they show bell and her family mm-hmm. and maybe, and like, and like, you know, maybe Ebenezer's like bittersweet where he's like, I'm sad that I don't have this, but I'm happy that she's happy. And like, you could, he could see her grandchildren running around or something. That's actually kind of in there in the book. Okay. Oh, in the original, it's it's what like her husband, and they have a daughter, but it's in the past. But, yeah, he jumps forward and he thinks he's still looking at her, but it's her daughter, and she's now an old oh, woman there. Okay. When he says like, "Don't show me anymore," the ghost holds him down and makes him see one more thing that she went on. Yeah, and had a family. The ghost goes all like clockwork orange, like holding his eyes open, making oh, wow. him watch. And yeah. It gets dark. It it does get dark. Yeah, it pinioned pinioned him both his arms and forced him to observe what happened next. So yeah, mm. ghost ain't putting up with him. Because <laughs> like the only time I remember it gets really is it Jersey Scott one was is the present when he shows him um was it greed and ignorance the two like famine children under his room. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah ignorance and want something like that yeah it's a bit of a legit horror story I mean yeah. it, it, you know it, it of course it's got ghosts and and you know dead things and all but like yeah there's some. There's some scary bits and it's you know, not just, you know, not just the Christmas yet to come, which is always sort of the scariest part. But uh, yeah, yeah. So there's some there's some bits. Um, so in the film, that brings us to we we fade out from, you know, a weeping Rizzo and a consoling Dickens to uh, Scrooge himself, uh, you know, sitting alone, uh, you know, in I guess like on, like on a little footbridge. That fades away, and suddenly he's back in his bed chambers alone. It's a good transition, and that you know brings us to the end. Yeah, brings us to the end of this section. And there's and this is um, kind of ending with 
uh, a contrast that we started with, and I mentioned in the beginning, but the like the scene with the Marleys, it's very dark. Like the even the fire in the fireplace goes out when when the Marleys appear, and then at the beginning of this, Scrooge is is sleeping in his dark, um, you know, his dark quarters. Then when the ghost of Christmas Christmas present, it's the exact opposite. It's blinding light. It's it's all white. And it's a flash of, of white when they travel to the past. And then the, the final scene, the, the, the farewell between Scrooge and Belle. And, you know, they're outside. It's Christmas Eve. So there's snow on the ground. So it's very it's, bright, yeah. everything is white. And, of course, the ghost of Christmas past is is this this white ghostly figure. And then we fade into back into the darkness yep. of Scrooge alone. So it's light to dark, then dark to light. And now we're back to dark again. And it's sad. Yeah, that's uh-huh. yeah. And I, I, I like, I like like watching the like, Ebenezer be sad. Like I said, like I, I kind of like looking back, being like, yeah, when, when the Jersey Scott ones, like, he's like rebelling, where he's like angry. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I guess that that is a way you can react to grief is just anger rather than sadness. But I like here, it's like he's already realizing that you know, like he's already just going to the I'm sad. Whereas like you know, rather than rebel, like Jersey Scott tries to rebel. Uh, his mm-hmm. version keeps rebelling. I like this one where he's just Michael Caine, like he's realizing all the mistakes already. Like first ghost in, he already knows how serious his mistakes are. He's not trying. He stopped making excuses. That's what I like about this because that's one of the things with the Jersey Scott one. He, fe- I feel like he keeps making excuses, and I'm like, mm-hmm. MF, you gotta make your, you got- <laughs> you have to evolve, man. <laughs> you will be doomed. <laughs> Yeah. And that's like, that's one of the issues I have with a lot of adaptations of the story is I feel like I don't buy the the change in Scrooge at the end. Like I kind of feel like, um, you know, when he sees after he's died and, uh, you know, kind of the everyone's pawing over his belongings and they're, they're, they're selling off his, his, you know, what he has, like, I kind of think like the natural reaction should be when he gets back would be, all right, I'm going to hide all my stuff. So people can't take it when I die. Yeah. But this, like, this is good. And, and part of that is they do it like all in one night where the original, the in the original, the, the ghosts come, it's over three days, like, or three nights. Each ghost come at the stroke of one on a different night. So there's more time for, you know, for kind of Scrooge to grow and change. Whereas, you know, in, in this film, it's all in one night. But we, yeah, we do see, even from the beginning, we see little changes. And with this first ghost, we start to see, um, you know, kind of incremental stepping along the way to make the final change that that where he's going to end up. It's not, you know, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like we yeah. kind of see it set up and it, it makes like a more natural progression. So, yeah, so I, I think this movie does that well. And so that kind of brings us to the end of uh, of, of this section of the film. Any any final thoughts on you know, on, on this section, on the, you know, Christmas pass, on the film, on Muppets, on Dickens, on chickens. I would love to have the time. <laughs> I mean, it has been a busy year just trying to keep, you know, trying to keep up with how crazy this year is. Mm-hmm. But I actually would like to watch, watch this, watch a Jersey Scott one, and then maybe find another one I haven't watched in a while, maybe the musical one. Maybe, but I think like I want to watch like three of these kind of like over a time. Mm-hmm. And kind of like see the different nuances they do again, like now with like kind of new eyes. Cause yeah, I, I, I would love to just kind of like 
I don't know, just just see how the different ways the actors kind of like react to the um yeah just just their mistakes as Ebenezer mm-hmm. um yeah the future one I never I never understood that with like mo- in most of the storylines where it's like they're looking at their grave and they're reacting I mean I guess so like to look at your own grave is probably pretty traumatic you'll never reality mm-hmm. is you'll never see it you'll never see your own grave right but I actually think it'd be more powerful to see yeah the reaction to people to your grave like the musical one, what's kind of funny is, you know, the thank you very much. It's like everyone's happy he's dead yeah. because he brought nothing but like misery to everyone in the town. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, there's the comedy of like everyone's dancing on his on his coffin <laughs> and they're dragging him out of town. I do like that. <laughs> yeah. But that's like the one of the, one of, I don't know, issue maybe too strong a word, but like one of the things I wonder is because that's that's like the one thing he can't change. So like the spirits can show him like, here's love that you turned your back on because you just wanted money. Well, he can change that and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to open myself to love and and human relationships and I won't just be about money. And then, you know, here's how, you know, people are suffering. Well, I can use my money. I can help people. I can be charitable, but it's like, well, here's your grave. You're like, you can live the best life. Like as bad as he was, as greedy as he was, Scrooge can become generous and kind and loving but yeah. he's still gonna die. Like that's the cool. one thing he can't change. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. Oh, I have a great it. scene you could do in the future. <laughs> you do the nephew, so you have to have an older actor now play like a middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. And you have his wife come say, you know, hey, before we start Christmas dinner, like, do you want to go to the graves? And Fred will be like, yes, it's a good idea. Like, let's get some flowers and we'll bring it to your your mother, maybe your mother, or your aunt, your aunt, your grandmother. Uh, and your cousin's grave and uh, my mother's grave will stop by. And she's like, what about your uncle Ebenezer? And him, like Fred be like, I honestly do not remember where he's buried. Like, I, I think it was just like, <laughs> Oh, there. Like, okay. And it was, yeah. it was some, it was some plot that the, 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 the undertaker gave me. And I honestly, I can't remember. I don't think there's even, I'm not certain if there's a stone. It's been so long. Like, right. Really, and so you just have to see where Fred just kind of like, I haven't thought about him in years. Like you just get the scene where he just goes, I honestly haven't thought about my uncle. Like he hasn't given much thought to me. And I, I don't even know where to start if I wanted to like visit his grave. Like, you know, and he could say something about, yeah, the house is like long since been abandoned. I don't know. And just have this scene where he's just like, Ebony yeah, barely a yeah. thought in Fred's mind. So when even, like, yeah. And have, and have Scrooge see that, like see, um, yeah. See like Fred and, and his wife putting flowers on, the sister's grave and kind of like reminiscing about, um, you know, good times they had with her. And then they just, they walk past, uh, you know, a gravestone that says Ebenezer and they just, yeah, they don't know it's there. They don't pay attention that he's just, you know, it's not just that he's died the same way everyone dies, but he's been forgotten. It's that, it's that line where you like, you die, you die twice or it is where it's like, mm-hmm. you just, you, you die yeah. when like the met, no one remembers you anymore. Right. Right. I think, I think the problem is the movies like the gravestone. Because that's not what he sees in the book. He sees a body that like has a shroud over it and everyone's talking horribly about this guy and what they're going to do with his stuff. Hmm. And it's only later that he's like, wait, who is this guy that no one likes? Because mm-hmm. he thinks it's just a warning that my life could turn into this, guys. That's funny. Uh-huh. But then he goes back to see it's a body, which in especially in this Muppet version, they wouldn't have done that. They want that tombstone, which yet yeah, doesn't work as well for a warning because he's not being warned about being dead. He's being warned about the fact when he dead when he's dead, no one cares. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, I, just, that's I would like idea. them to, to like play up like future Fred, having someone to play older Fred and just be like, like, like he's not going to tell his children about their great uncle Ebenezer. Like he's just mm. not going to be a thought to them. Yeah. If he doesn't, if he doesn't show any yeah. love or respect to anyone. Yeah. So, yeah. So Robert, any, you know, any, any closing thoughts, any, uh, t- any deleted scenes you want to lay out for us? Well, no, I, but I like the, uh, Hurt Bell song. It's great. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, that, that fits why Rizzo is crying. Cause it makes it even sadder that yeah. she just walks away. Yeah. And it's Scrooge nice- joins in for a few lines. It's nice. Yeah, it's a nice ending to the scene, and then also fits in. There's there's the callback at the very end when there's like a reprise when love is found. Yeah, Martina McBride is singing it. Yeah, you see a little bit of it in the end credits. Yeah, which was um, really weird because the song's not in the movie. <laughs> it yeah, it's like it's a callback to something that's not there. So I I guess yeah. it's not a callback then, but uh, yeah. Well, so thank you very much for for joining us both again. Yeah. Um, so, Robert, if folks want to hear more from you, I'm sure they know, but just in case we got some newcomers in the audience, where can folks find you? Yeah, lots of shows, but most recently there would be Pump Up the Minute, where my mm-hmm. wife and I did Pump Up the Volume in four-minute segments and did it really fast because we wanted to end it the day before the election. And so we got kind of political and had some fun. And now we have just started recording Five Minute Arrival, where we are looking at science fiction film and getting a little philosophical and having some fun. And those could be, you look up those names on social media, you'll find them. Yeah, yeah. You can also uh, check out all that stuff at Lemming Drops. Was it LemmingDropsStudio.com? LemmingDrops.com. LemmingDrops.com, yeah. And then uh, Mr. Dave Palace. I'm sure the folks know, but again, if we've got some newcomers, where can folks hear more of your wonderful work? Yes, I'm over at 5minutesmystery.com. I am covering the movie. Five minutes, uh, in five minutes, I am covering the movie Mystery Men, the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble starring uh, Ben Stiller and Gene Garofalo. And I just feel like in this time where there's a big... Uh, it's a big holdover. There's no comic book movies out right now. I feel like now it's the perfect time to kind of catch up on some uh, some older classics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we know there's some people that haven't seen this this Muppet Christmas Carol before. There's probably a lot of people that haven't seen Mystery Men before, and they should check it out. And if you have seen it before, see it again, and then listen to the <laughs> podcast, the the Five Minutes of Mystery, and and hear all about how how uh, the genius of deconstructing sort of the Marvel universe, the Marvel cinematic movies before they even existed. Um, <laughs> they were already torn apart. Amazing things, amazing stuff. Yes. Ever since, ever since like the boys <laughs> did it in a violent way. Yeah. Uh, like, well, I think mystery men did this in a very, very slapstick Schumacher way. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and th- th- there's a lot of parallels to uh, yeah, Homelander and and, and and the other stuff. I mean, Homelander's Captain Amazing. I mean, it's it's really one to one there. It's almost the same character. So, you a lot of parallels there with with what what would happen later with with other comic book stuff and, and TV and movies. So, uh, yeah, check out the Five Minutes of Mystery. Of course, you can all hear you can hear us wherever you're listening to this, and we've got our our uh, holiday specials from years past at nextscenepod.com follow us on the social medias at nextscenepod we're the Jelly of the Month Club on Facebook and there's only four more sleeps till part five and so as Tiny Tim observed God bless us 
God bless us, everyone. The love we found, the love we found, we carry with us, so we're never quite alone. We have that.